this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be sharing a lot. Whenever people stumble across me or the podcast, they always ask for any particular ones I should dive into. This is one I'm going to be sharing a lot as a powerful episode. David Ross Miller's back on the show. He first appeared on episode 62 and that was extremely beneficial for me to get to know him. This was a notch above that as I spent the time with him and his family at his home in Scotland and it was an absolute joy to really be in the presence of this man who cares deeply about what he does, how he is in the world and the mission that he connects with. He's a powerful man and he's going to continue to do powerful things. He's a husband, a father and he's the founder of Mantra Men's Work, providing huge experience for men to really dive in to the depths of who they are, to gain clarity, to heal, grow and transform. As David says throughout the podcast, we touch upon all of his work. We dive into his unschooling and what that looks like for him as a stay-at-home dad and much more. There's so much of this conversation. There are subjects very close to home for me. Things I care about, a lot resonated and it was a great discussion. I tried to push back on some of David's enthusiastic and very positive outlook on life. It's magnetic. It really wasn't easy for me to push back on any of it, but I hope I did my best as I always like to feed into both sides of a subject, which is really important to the podcast as a value. It's very easy to talk positive consistently about the things that we connect with and the things that we want to stand for. It's easy for that, but it's, it's not the same for everyone. So it's really important to me to, to navigate and to scrutinize subjects and to really get in many different angles of a topic or a subject. David's been on a big journey through depression, near suicide, and now he really has developed such frameworks and tools and practices to help men at potential stages of their life where he used to be. He's showing up dramatically in the men's workspace and I have so much respect for him. I cannot wait for you to devour this conversation. It really was a joy to record. I'll speak at a men's work next weekend on the 25th to the 27th of August. As this podcast goes live, it'll be next weekend. I'm hosting my own third edition of the Men of Earth Men's Weekend. This is taking place in Sussex in the UK and I have a couple of spots available. Now I would wholeheartedly love for people to take advantage of the beneficial space that I create, the resources that go into this, the other people that are going to be there and for everything that goes into these weekends which you can find out much much more on if you head to menofearth.co.uk, links in the description. A lot goes into these weekends. This is a very intimate, transforming space. It can be the thing, and I've seen it be the thing, that men need to really get a grasp and clarity on their purpose and mission in life, which also allows them to break some habits and remove blocks. These spaces are rare. These spaces don't happen all the time, and we need to create them. We need to push out of our comfort zones, try new things and just dive into our psyches to understand ourselves so we can be understood by all those who we're in a relationship with. If financial constraints are a thing, let's discuss. I want to make this accessible to men who generally want to benefit from an experience like this and everything it takes to put something like this on. 
I need to mention I have one Patreon supporter. You know who you are. Thank you so much to this person for being the first person making a mark. It's one of the ways you can support this podcast so I can keep dedicating the time and energy to this platform. It takes a lot of my time and I am all up for that challenge and I'm all up for the task, but I do need your support more than ever. Please consider from as little as £3 per month, 3 8 or £18. I've got three offerings and there's many ways you can get involved. I bring you on board, the community, we can interact. There's loads of ways you can get involved and get more benefits from this platform. Shout outs to the sponsors, XL Coffee and Wild Soul Sandals. If you're drinking coffee and you haven't tried XL, I would really urge you to do that. Link in the description, CGP, or click the link to receive 10% off your first purchase on a fully flexible subscription. Alex at XL is a good friend of mine and I wholeheartedly know how much he puts into this business and has done for the last couple of years. It was his 40th birthday the other day, so send him a note, say happy birthday, and thank you and for caring so much about the coffee you produce. Next up, Wild Soul Sandals, Tom and James, also good friends of mine. I wouldn't be promoting a product if it didn't sit well with me. I wear my Wild Soul Sandals all the time. And this company is going places. If you want to go on the journey with them and get some originals, their first sandals, handmade in Sheffield, the UK. They care about what they do. They love what they do. And it really comes through in the sandals that they make. Head to wildsoulsandals.com. Use code CGP10 at checkout for 10% off. Thanks for listening, peeps. This is going to be an impactful conversation i would love to hear your thoughts i would love you to share this send it to anyone that you feel called to and i'm always up for feedback if you disagree with anything we talked about if you want to chat about anything any of the topics then please head over to the youtube channel interact with me or david in the comments section on youtube link in the description much love and medicine festival is this weekend shout out to those guys if you are going i will see you there this week shoot me a message and i'm sure i'll see you on some sort of dance floor or around the fire it's going to be pretty epic the anticipation for this festival has been flowing throughout the year so it's going to be quite a memorable one as i said if you're going shoot me a message right after the podcast with david ross miller David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to welcome you to Scotland. Are we in the Highlands? It's pretty high. Uh, no, we're probably the West Coast. Yeah, uh-huh. we're in the West Coast. Not quite as high. I'm from the Highlands, so you are. when people are from the Highlands and you say you're so from the you Highlands. you know. <laughs> we know how high it goes, yeah. Unless you cross the the, the boundary to the north. Yeah. Do they, when you say, if you're from the Highlands and you're not, do they go, did you? <laughs> did Are you? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Are you? With the eye roll, the Scottish yeah. eye roll. Brilliant, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's been amazing being here. It feels like I've been here for a long, longer than 12 hours. I know, wow. Yeah, we've we've been through a lot. We've walked through the grounds. We've, we've had lo- loads of conversations. My kids have been clambering all over you. <laughs> it's been a journey. That's been a joy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
They are just full of life. Yeah. Just love it, man. Maybe yeah. I love it more because I know I can leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trapped here. No, it's lovely. I love it. Um, yeah, being being a full time dad has been yeah one of the most rewarding things mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, just being fully present with my kids, and you know we get to live in nature and spend all of our time together. It's there's no better gift. Yeah, you're really flying that flag. I feel <laughs> of like just really. I remember the first time we had the conversation, uh, and you were like, "I'm a dad." Like you look straight into my eyes, and like that's I'm a dad, and that's all I yeah. need to be for now. You know, mm-hmm. well, for as long as I'm alive, you're a dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been having loads of conversations with 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 other men around this, and you know, we often talk about, you know, what it is to be a dad, and you know what that means for for different men. And I use the 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 kind of measure of like, what is your end of life vision? You know, when when you commit to being a dad, what are you committing to and how long are you committing for? Because particularly new dads, you know, come come into fatherhood um, first and foremost after not really being initiated or, you know, having any rites of passage into fatherhood. Like there's nobody teaching us, no elders, like really holding us through that process and teaching us, you know, what the sacrifice is and what service is and, and how you show up as a dad. Um and I often use the measure of this end of life vision and ask men, you know, you know, what do you see at the end of your life? You know, last years of your life, where, where are you? Who are you surrounded by? What do you feel? You know, what have you accomplished? What, what have you achieved? What do you still want? What do you desire? And when we start to paint this picture, it can be quite cliche because, mm. you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm like an old man and you know, I've got my family around me. And I was like, OK, cool. You've got your family around you. Who's around you? Are you married to the same person? Like, are your kids around you? Like, do they have kids? Are they around you? So what do you have to do in order to achieve that? And then you start working your way back. So if your kids are going to be around you, they want to be around you. They're around you because they want to be. And if you are a man, you know, who is an elder and has kids, your your extended family, your kids and their kids coming to you, what behaviours and what wisdom do you have to have for them to kind of want to come and be around you to learn or to talk or to enjoy your company and what values do you have to have instilled and held consistently from now becoming a dad until you die and that that's the measure like how are you showing up from now until you die and you know i I speak to clients particularly around this and you know you can see the kind of look on their face like oh Oh, it's forever. I was like, yeah, it's forever. Like that's that's what fatherhood is. It's forever, and this um, mm. kind of permanence of it and the responsibility. Can for me particularly when I first became a dad, I was crushed with the responsibility, and you know it it drove me into a deep pit of depression. But coming out of that and realizing, ah, okay, now I understand it. Now I see where my path is as a, as a father. Like guiding other men to realize that and take full ownership and responsibility and step into, you know, fatherhood archetypically like really becoming a father mm. um has has been has been lovely but it's it's one is one thing to say you know or state that end of life vision it's another thing to break it down into like okay what behavior traits do i have to have and like if my wife's still with me like what do i have to have done mm. to have that the case like is love still vibrant is it still alive like and then do our kids enjoy that and are they modeling that behavior or did they learn that behavior from us modeling it as a loving couple throughout our entire lives and like how 
how is this family in the last kind of years of your life how is it formed and what did you do to contribute to that mm. do you think now it's more important than ever to set those worthy ideals because we don't have them around us to say i want to be like this this man i want to be like my father was or my grandfather was you hear that less and less i feel now some the, and yeah. and i feel like setting an ideal which it is it's an archetypical mm-hmm. um i guess vision of who you could be mm-hmm. setting that ideal and then working towards it and, and then really thinking okay what do i have to to to, to be and do to, to to achieve that yeah there's there's loads of elements there so essentially first and foremost like we idolize other men we idolize you know these you know famous people essentially or we idolize materialism like rich we see these people and we put them on pedestals and mm-hmm. you know we like, look outwards and say oh wow those those people are amazing or they've done this or they've done that they've done this and as we're doing that we're inherently saying that we aren't you know worthy of the same recognition because like we're looking at them going wow 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 they're doing this they're achieving this and we're not actually commending ourselves on our own achievements or who we actually are sometimes we don't really know who we actually are but yeah we don't have this sense of community as men in our society um it's not as prevalent anymore we didn't we know when we left the farm for the factory and we disconnected as men we kind of drove ourselves into isolation and we didn't compare ourselves against these ideals anymore we rejected elderhood we rejected our grandparents like oh that's just you know it's just granddad or it's just dad like what does he know Mm. whereas you know in ancient times those stories and those ideals would have been revered and we would have really learned what it is to be a man and that's when we kind of lost that rites of passage and initiation into manhood there was something marked for us where there was a Mm. period of our lives where we went through or we were guided through immense challenge in order to earn the right of being a man and the same happened for fatherhood you know when you became a father like the the people in the village or the tribe would honor it in in a way that was marked that you knew what you had to do now and there would be wisdom passed down from elders that told you exactly what it was to be a man and then you know what was acceptable behavior and what was unacceptable behavior and you were held accountable in different ways than we are now because it's so easy to kind of keep it quiet <laughs> these days like nobody's really checking up on us because we don't have that for sure close knit of men around us but also elders like really kind of setting the tone and setting the bar for us yeah. to be good men and those that are we look to for a screen majoritively i think what also feeds into the conversation is that men um, we look to elders for the things they've achieved or they've attained mm-hmm. rather than who they are and what they stand for. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a very prevalent thing in the past where it's like you want to be like someone or I'm looking to that person for inspiration and to to be how they were. Like you, you respected their values more mm-hmm. and how they how they held themselves in a room and rather than the things that they had and the, the monetary success yeah. they had. And that, yeah. that, that's a big part of the conversation. I think when it's, it, it's looking to how the values of people and what they've been able to, yeah. Inspire other people with. Yeah. I believe a lot of us live in a life or a world of excess. Mm-hmm. Like we, there, there is too much. There is too much stuff. And we, are convenience-driven, comfort-driven, consumption-driven 
people and it's part of our part of our world like everybody falls victim to that at some level whether you're aware of it or not or whether you're trying to work on it like we we're we live in a world of excess and those kind of older school values have mm -hmm. kind of fallen away a little bit because they relied on less you know they relied on maybe a smaller um kind of insular world where you you focused on less you know there wasn't social media back then there wasn't um, the internet and we, we we built a community based on the connections around us and we learned through them now the internet's wonderful it, it creates so much opportunity and we can learn so much everything that we could possibly imagine to learn is at the touch of our fingertips so you can really educate yourself and learn about these things but there's a difference between learning and experiencing so so often we go seeking out we go seeking out we put these other men on a pedestal and we don't value the the people that could be closest to us in our in our kind of male communities that could teach us these core values and could guide us to be more virtuous honorable present men but instead we we look at other values or other markers for attainment or achievement or success um and it's just you know how you measure success you know for for, for me it's really important that I'm a fully present father and a devoted husband and I give energy to my family through my presence and how I educate my kids because we home educate. We've got a six, a three and a one year old and we home educate them. And they learn so much through us modeling behaviors and us walking the walk. Like we do what we say we're going to do. It's hard to do that. It's hard to learn model behaviors if you're looking through a screen or you're you're not connecting with the people around you. So for me, it's about how we are present with each other and how we model these behaviors and create this, you know, this almost vortex of accountability because, you know, we're all together and we see each other really fully and we, we can hold each other accountable to the behaviors that we see. Mm. How important is it to you to get to know your kids? Because that's something that came out last night, which hit home for me. It was like, yeah, who's getting to know their children mm. when they're not around that much or... Because we outsource it. Yeah. If, if we are not fully present, and again, it's because of a need that our society has created that, you know, as adults, as parents, like we need time to work, to earn money, to support our family. But, you know, that's one thing that we can give them is like financial stability and, you know, opportunities through making money. But, you know, I would argue there are other ways to make money. Like you don't have to work a nine to five, you don't have to do these things. If you'd maybe thought outside the box or try to create different ways or create opportunities for, for other sources of income to come in and have a diverse kind of range of income. Um, but what we're what I'm teaching my kids is real human connection and curiosity and critical thinking and following the the track of their minds. Like, you know, I'm not slating school um on this podcast we like, did last like, night yeah <laughs> it, it, it works it works for a lot of people and i can see a lot of children and adults yeah who gain a lot from it but f from our perspective we watched our eldest daughter um who was in school for a short time we watched her light go out a little bit mm -hmm. it started to dim and she started to come home with different behaviors that weren't you know who who we knew her to be she was being kind of influenced by a, a, a another another set of people another group of people and you know we we use that as an opportunity to teach her about this as well and then as as we kind of removed her from school we watched her light fully come back on her zest for life her curiosity her energy came back up because it was being kind of dampened by this you know, certain level of conformity and um 
kind of rigid education system that you had to learn this at this time through this method and get this answer the same as everyone else where I like to allow my kids to follow the path of their curiosity because that's how we learn. We learn by doing. Like the most important way to learn is by picking something up, figuring out how it works and then putting it back down and going and finding something else. Or we learn by moving through a challenge whereas, you know, that doesn't necessarily happen in in schools in the same way. And by nurturing and nourishing my children's innate curiosity or explorative nature through just allowing them to to experience the world and being there with them and that's one of the most important things is like when we are fully with them they get something different they get something else they get our full presence and you know I often you know go through days where I turn my phone off and my number one goal for the day is to look into my kids eyes as many times as possible and to hold it and the difference in their behavior from one simple act of like, right, I'm just going to look in their eyes. That's my main goal today. And the the difference in their behavior, the difference in how they hold themselves and the difference in the connection that we have and how they're, you know, absorbing the world around them changes in, a, in an instant when I just sit down and look at them. And I don't do anything else as an adult. I just with them on their level, learning at the same time, teaching them as we go and just allowing them to be children. Hmm. That's powerful. Yeah, it's, it's very powerful. It's yeah. overlooked, right? Totally, totally. Because again, you know, we just we go through life, you know, trying to attain things. Like we're trying to attain things because we live in a life of excess. Oh, we need to do this. I need to do that. I need to do this. Again, there's an argument for do you need to do it? Like mm. if everything, if the whole world, you know, <laughs> went to shit, like what what is the number one thing that you yeah. need? Well, I think it's again getting clearer on who you want to yeah. be as an old man, mm-hmm. old woman who's got the kids around when it has that strong connection. Mm-hmm. Do you want that or do you want to always set them um, and push them further into a system or, or push them probably more than they're comfortable with mm-hmm. to, to achieve things that ultimately, is that the primary thing? I think it's important, but mm-hmm. is it the primary thing? Is it the only thing that you're doing? Is it the primary thing that you're... Um, constantly reinforcing is that they need to be that or they need to be this and mm. you're constantly giving them cues to to be better or be more than actually just present yeah because we're measuring them against this uh, yeah. uh, 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 metric that you know somebody else dictated like society yeah. told us they need to do this and we're yeah. just kind of passing that message down but I had a really beautiful, about two years ago, I um, had um, a friend, another home education family, and their daughter uh, taught herself how to read at the age of eight or nine. And by most people's you know, judgments or measurements, oh, that's quite late to like learn how to read. But the difference was, and this is part, you know, I can think back to my own childhood, she wasn't forced to read. She wasn't sat down at a table and told, like, read this and learn how to read in this way. She taught herself completely, intrinsically motivated, and now she devours books. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Just let them find their own way, and they will create the motivation, create the inspiration to do something themselves. And it's our job as parents and elders to just kind of guide that, you know, keep them safe as they're doing that, and make sure that they're learning things that are maybe age-appropriate, and, you know, protecting them in certain ways, but allowing their their kind of inner guidance or their inner intuition or motivation to to absorb what they want to mm-hmm. because then that that young girl reads books 
like way more than kids her own age in, in primary schools do because they were forced to do it. So they don't want to do it. She wants to do it. So it brings me back to a point of, you know, asking everyone, you know, what do you want to do? Like this inner inner motivation, this inner guidance, like what do you want to do versus what do you want to want to do? Because so many people ask, oh, look, I want to do this. Why? Do you want to want to do it so you're observed by other people wanting this thing? Or do you actually want to do this thing? And that's being true to ourselves. Like, what do you actually want to do? And just following that. without any, Like, if, if nobody else existed, if you were just on your own, like, what would you want to do? Hmm. And we don't ask ourselves that enough. No, they say, what do you, who do you want to be? Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. Throughout our entire lives. Like, it doesn't stop, you know, when you, well, I don't even know when we become adults. <laughs> I know so many yeah. men who honestly, you know, outwardly to themselves express, yeah, I, I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I'm a man yet. Mm-hmm. So when in our lives do we actually follow what we want and figure out who we are? Mm. It comes from fear. It comes from fear, I imagine. I mean, I haven't got kids, but it's a fear that they will fall behind or they will be not um, reaching their potential or mm. they're going to just not have any friends because they're not keeping up in class or whatever it might be. There's a fear there that's really, um, yeah, prompting the behavior to kind of confine and push them. And it's so fascinating. Yeah, that, that it really makes me laugh that because we've had people who challenged us and said, oh, like you're, you're not worried that they're not going to get a job when they're older. I was like, she's six. Like, w- when do you expect her to get a job? And do you think the jobs in what, 20 years time are going to be the same as the jobs that are, are available now? Or do you think there's, you know, there's a, a guy, Alex Benayan, who wrote the book, The Third Door. Like, th- there's door one, there's door two that most people go through. They go through door one or they go through door two. But Alex Benayan says there's always a door three. You can always find the third door. And that's, you know, normally through, you know, creative expression or entrepreneurship or, you know, thinking outside the box and, you know, just finding a way to do something that is unconventional or, un, you know, it's not normal or it's not by anyone else's standards. But yeah. for me, I'm like, well, it, what job do you expect her to get? Because I can see the light in her and I can see her potential. And it's just up to me to keep stoking that fire and just mm. watching her grow. Yeah. And she, she'll she'll create a business. She'll be totally fine. She's yeah. going to be socially adept and, you know, have a strong social network because she, she'll she know who she is and she'll be able to choose the people around her that are her vibe and her tribe. Mm. Whereas so many other people, you know, don't grow up with those kind of... Uh, yeah, like a strong sense of who they are. Yeah, yeah. And then as because of that, like who they want to be around or who they want around them. And, you know, a lot of people you know, just kind of settle <laughs> for, for friends, which is fine. I, I answer that with name me one revolutionary or someone who's changed the world for the better that was conventional or did mm. things by the book. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. A great artist, a great inventor, whoever it was, someone who really like, mm. you know, just set the bar for a new standard. They were always countercultures. They were always someone on the fringe or mm. just like doing things a little bit different. And it's that fear that you spoke about from other people judging, you know, the the education of young people comparing them to you know that young person in 20 years like how are they going to get a job it's normally fear because that person is insecure or has regret about the path of their life or something they've done and a lot of projections yeah a lot of projections yeah. Where, rather than just like you know it, what what what's stopping people just going cool yeah good luck and, uh, 
so many people are like, oh, but you should, and you should, and why, why are you doing that? You should do this, or are you not thinking about this? Like, you know, we're, we're very aware of the decisions. Mm. We're consciously making these decisions. Do you not think we've thought about all the, all the options and all the potential um, pitfalls? Yeah. And Can you honor that? Essentially. Yeah. Can you honor that? Can you respect that? Can mm. you support that? Mm-hmm. Can you ask what I need for that support? You know, yeah. in whatever dynamic it might be. You, my friend, can you rather then give your opinion, ask what I need? It's because they, they, <laughs> they, they have gone, most people have gone through life only looking through one lens uh, or like going through one set of doors or down one path. Mm-hmm. And essentially they don't know what they don't know. And mm. people are scared of what they don't know. For sure. That was a big thing that I realized after, tra- uh, after, I guess, education system, after college, after uni, I was, I had this big moment when I was traveling and I was like, it, it was so simple, but I felt it in my body. I was like, oh, I wasn't a, a C grade student. I wasn't an average student. I was an average student of the things they wanted me to learn. Mm. Because I have such a, you know, everyone can relate to this who's followed a thread of like what they're passionate about and they can stay up all night and go hard in on something that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And that's true for me. I'm an A student in something that I care about. Yeah. And it's that context that I lacked as a a child because I just didn't know what in context what I was learning. Mm. in context to what like what's the why here why am i doing this why am i learning this way why am i like what when am i going to be applying this there's little emphasis on like the context of my life of how why i'm learning this and what am i learning it for Mm. there was some of that in school but most of it i just didn't have a why so i was not engaged with it but i realized it was just dawned on me it's like oh because i carried this burden of like internalizing that i was just an average joe who didn't have any expertise or any genius Mm. sense and and i was you're you're really living in relationship to all those other kids at school and you're putting your own sense of self-worth in in it in some sort of place between that person and this person, you're measuring yourself versus um, comparing with everyone else because you're mm-hmm. ranked and you're put in tiers and categories mm-hmm. and you internalize all that. And no one asks you how you're feeling or <laughs> getting no. to know me as a, what's going on in the internal life of Chris. So there, there's, there's like <laughs> another thing. You've got one teacher who's looking after the well-being, the psychology, the emotional fluctuations, the the needs of 30 children and the teacher is normally overworked, underpaid and deeply unhappy. I can say that from my own experience of working in the education system where I was around teachers who, you know, it was probably apart from construction work, the most unhappy group of people I've ever been around and constantly complaining about stuff, mostly directed at the children they're educating. Now for me, I don't want my daughter in a classroom or my two sons in a classroom where somebody doesn't fully care about their experience of education and what they find value in or what they become obsessed about. Because that's what it is. Like when you become obsessed about something, like I want to learn everything about this one thing. It's attractive. Yeah. It's amazing. And when you allow somebody to really go into that and you hold them and you just like let them, yeah, let's let's just explore that. Let's go. Now, I can do that with my three children because I'm there the whole time and I can stoke that fire and I can just allow them to absorb everything they want to until they get bored of that thing and maybe challenge them a little bit to stay in a little bit longer. But when I recognize, oh, we need to move here, let's do that. But 
somebody in a in a conventional education system like a teacher kind of pushing 30 children through a predetermined uh, structure of education where they all have to get the same answer by the same method and if they don't they're not celebrated or if they want to have any individuality or um, you know creative expression that's unique to them any uniqueness is stamped out because you know I, I remember my daughter coming back from school one day during the four months that she was in school and she said ah oh, she was really upset and I was like what's wrong she's like the teacher wouldn't let me dance today and I was like what she said, yeah, she kept telling me to sit down and any time, like, my daughter's so expressive and it's part of her energy that she just wants to move and sing and, you know, create things. And, you know, she was just, she described she was just putting her hand up in a, an interesting way when she wanted to answer the question and the teacher told her to stop doing it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want my daughter in an environment like that where, like, who she is is stamped out because the teacher wants her to behave a certain way. Like, that's just too conformative for me. Like, I just want her to be her and be celebrated for being her and educated as her, not as 30 other kids. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that you face? Because I know how rewarding and worth it it is yeah. for you. But let's touch on maybe some of the challenges of homeschooling your kids and what, what comes up and are there any moments of like, of, uh, yeah, obstacles you have to work through? It's a good question. <laughs> it's needed, right? Because we can yeah. sit here and talk about all the all the great all the great of parts of of the choices we make. Some of the challenges are also some of the blessings when mm. I look at them differently. Um, so the the first is the 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 lack of free time. So that's the number one thing. Like a lot of home education people, um, home educating parents, realize that there's just a lack of time for us. That's on the face of it because we're comparing or measuring ourselves against something else that, you know, doesn't exist in our family. But like I said earlier, when I lent into that and I was like, okay, what am I being invited to do and how can I show up more? It actually became irrelevant, like how much free time I had because I was getting so much value back from educating and being present with my kids, fully present. And, you know, being a man who's, um, you know, the way I give love is through acts of service and sacrificial service is the number one um, way that I believe fathers should really show up. Like, you know, sacrificial service is how we show up as dads. We serve, we protect, we provide, we look after our families, we educate them, we, you know, set the tone, we develop a legacy, we develop our family values, we look after this family unit. Not as the leader, but as a leader in, in, a, in a partnership to like really nurture our kids to grow. But... The other thing that was really interesting was to to see, because I've got a six, three and a one-year-old, they're totally different, have totally different needs and know totally different things. And, you know, they're, they're you know, different levels of intelligence, expression, speech, you know, ability, um, different energies. Like my middle boy is like nonstop, nonstop from the moment he wakes up to the moment he goes to sleep. It's just like full of energy, needs to move, needs to jump, needs to roll, needs to... He's just, it, it came out of him recently where he just turned into a boy and he was like, oh, like jumping and rolling everywhere. I just want to be like a ninja, not informed by anything that we've done because we don't watch much telly. We don't have a TV, but he just developed this like need to be boisterous. Uh, so nurturing that while my daughter sometimes has like moments of 
like deep introspect and she needs to sit and think and draw and create and be silent you know how, kind of nurturing those two things at the same time is probably the biggest challenge like how does he get what he needs at the same time that she gets what she needs and navigating that has probably been the biggest challenge and it kind of leads me back to the need for community because mm, we've talked about that a lot yeah the need for community because when these two different needs arise it should be in my opinion you know how we used to live generations and generations ago in ancient times where you know we could send our boy off to like where all the boys were playing or where all the kids who had that energy not necessarily just boys but you know where all the kids who had that energy at that time were doing the thing that they needed to do and you just send them off to the the trusted community and group of people that you could send them to work that energy out of them um and you know we were talking about the meme that's going around about that boy swinging through the the apparatus and Jordan Peterson talking over it saying boys need to move until they're absolutely exhausted. I was like, yeah, true. So where's the community that we need to build to allow that to happen while the kids who want to sit and draw and master that, they go to that room and, you know, work with, you know, the set of adults that like have, you know, a lot of skill in that area Mm -hmm. versus like the musical room. Like we need these different rooms to be able to, uh, foster all of these different creative expressions in all of our children so yeah there's a real need for communities that's the biggest challenge for me right now i think it's like Mm -hmm. and we're trying to grow that um my wife and i were trying to grow that in the in the networks that we're involved in and we're trying to pull people together and say right okay how do how do we create this community that really fully truly nurtures our kids so we're not feeling a little bit isolated because sometimes we feel like oh wow it's just quite exhausting Mm -hmm. like you know we're we're almost we're all dealing with these things in isolation, like that home education family are maybe getting a bit exhausted in that home education, but to work out the logistics of, well, we're all dealing with the same thing. Why don't we just come together and help each other? That's in process right now. So I'm really excited about how that unfolds over the next year where all of our kids just get to be themselves. And we just, as a group of parents, just hold that and just let them be kids. Mm, Yeah. I imagine if he's expressing that, that energy mm. and just looking out to like, cause kids are always pushing boundaries to know almost, I say what they can get away with, but just like where the boundaries lie mm-hmm. in life, mm-hmm. just explore, exploring. And I imagine they would like a, a boy just exploring his, just uh, his wildness, his aggression, all of it mm-hmm. would gravitate towards the other boys who would then almost hold, have a container for that. And yeah. like, know when it's too much mm-hmm. and then he would get that feedback from other children other kind of older kids to kind of contain it and that would just make so much sense to me you know mm-hmm. and it, it can be it can be quite exhausting you know when you go through periods of time where that's not the case and you're dealing with that all but because i was you know um mm-hmm. solo parenting while my wife worked um for the best part of a year there so like holding all of these energies you know a lot of the time just on my own was really interesting in setting those boundaries Mm-hmm. and being able to hold them whilst also you know managing my own energy because you know as a as a man you know it's it's probably more common for for men to like lose their temper or to get burned out or to you know have enough you know oh god i just needed some space i need to go away and um you know get some me time but really leaning into that over this last year and be like, no, no, this is this is really important for me to then manage how I'm feeling through 
the managing of how these kids are feeling because if I become overwhelmed, like how do I regulate myself? And how do I bring myself back to center so that my kids know that I'm fully present still and I'm still here and I can work through what they're triggering in me as it's happening. So when they exhibit a certain behavior or they push a certain boundary that makes me feel a certain way and I realize I'm like, oh, wow, where's that coming from? Why am I feeling this? And I can look at it, analyze it and then sometimes communicate, you know, in an age appropriate way, like how I'm feeling and modeling that behavior to my kids so they understand emotional regulation and conflict resolution and um, essentially emo- emotional navigation to, to, mm. to get the dis- like the best outcome for, for all of us as a, as a group, as a family. But it takes me being really aware of when those feelings are happening and how I manage them and how I take the wisdom or the learning happens as a result of that interaction how i take that and give it back to them as kids and just you know evolve as a as a man as a father as a lover as a husband uh, as i take those things and work through them myself i'm working through parts of my childhood i'm working through parts of my ego that yeah. need to die or need to be worked through and moved through and let go of it's happening all the time i say that our kids are like therapy manifest they're all the parts of us that we didn't deal of as didn't deal with as kids happening in real time like they repeat the pattern for us so that we can learn the lesson mm-hmm. and it's is one if you really lean into it it's amazing it's a cosmic joke yes <laughs> it is Constantly. It's, the, it's like being again like being in relationship to it's an intimate relationship mm-hmm. it's a high stakes relationship yeah that there's a lot at stake in this relationship but you're fully invested yeah i am i'm like i am fully invested like i want to be the best father for my children my end of life vision if I can tell you because we spoke about it earlier my end of life vision is that I'm sitting on a chair that I've made myself with my own hands my wife is sitting next to me on a chair that I also made and we love each other unbelievably our love is so alive and our kids have come from afar to visit us with their kids and we're all sitting in a circle telling jokes in the house that we live in now because this is our forever home so for all of those things to happen I need to do so much work between now and then mm-hmm. and I need to do it consistently and I need to grow consistently. It never stops. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <sighs> Just breathe that in. Yeah. It's, it's a big <laughs> one, man. I love it. I love the clarity that you have. You mentioned earlier that we have sacrificial needs. Mm. Well, no, we, we have sacrificial service. Service. Do you think that's got us in trouble as men? Yeah, I, you know... Because it's a double-edged sword mm, and it it provokes something in me. So I'd love you to talk about that. The way I see sacrificial service is... It comes from a number of things. One thing that's coming to my mind, first of all, is the book Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek, Mm -hmm. where we essentially make sure our tribe, make sure our, you know, our business, our family, everyone around us is served before we serve ourselves. And... If we need to get our needs met somewhere else, if we need to fill our cup, then we program that in. Like we plan it in. We prioritize that in another way. But we, first of all, make sure that everybody is looked after as as a father, as a man, as a lover. And this sacrificial service is calling us into more awareness and more attunement to the environment or the people around us. So we have to be more emotionally aware. We have to be more emotionally available. We have to be more emotionally intelligent. We also have to work through um, the model I've developed is the alive model, where we understand 
our authenticity, our level of leadership, our integrity, our vitality, and our emotional mastery. And once we work on all five of those things, we come into a centered way of being where we can fully be of service because we've wrestled with all the parts of ourselves that maybe are pulling us in different directions. Our ego is like telling us one thing, our um, interaction with modern culture and you know what we spoke about earlier, this the need for attainment or success or monetary uh, gain um, or materialism is pulling us in another direction. Um, we get a lot of draw and pull for how we as men show up in relationships and how we show up as a lover um, within sex and intimacy and conscious relating, that pulls us in another direction because society is telling us one thing where I truly believe that we can be fully of service and we can fully revere because I've me and my wife are in the best part of our relationships. We're 13 years in, three, three kids in, and our love's never been more alive. And it is absolutely wonderful, but it's been hard work. We've had to work through that and it's taken a lot of sacrificial service for me to let go parts of myself that were needing validation, that were needing recognition, that were needing um, nurturing. And I found that in myself. So I developed this this core sense of self-worth, self-love, self-appreciation. And from that, I was able to let go of all the things that I was projecting and holding as judgments or regrets or resentments against my wife, my kids, my living situation, society as whole. Like when I brought myself back to myself and started wrestling with those things, I could be fully of service. And it's one of the reasons why I do what I do, why I work with men, because I now know what my absolute purpose is, you know, to support men to heal, grow and transform. And to be fully of service is an interesting concept for a lot of men yeah. because it has connotations of subservience. Like I'm going to be less than, I'm going to put myself lower than you. Yeah, how would you say someone can differentiate between what they know they need to let go of within themselves to be of service to others to differentiate that versus what they know they can't compromise on, what they need from a situation, from uh, a partner. Super simple. Yeah, just core values. Developing a really strong ethical, moral compass based on a strong set of core values that you hold firmly but compassionately and you set boundaries around that and communicate them really authentically and openly and honestly and you bear your truth. When men lie, when men hold things, when they withhold a resentment or um, a charge or a challenge against you know anything, you know, that's them not being true. So we can let go of so much when we just speak it. It's so clear and obvious. Like in the moment, as it happens in a compassionate, honest, truthful way that isn't, you know, projecting or, you know, as making assumptions or um, taking things personally or, you know, judging another person or holding resentments. When it's fueled with none of that, when it's just, you know, as the camera sees it, you know, this is what happened. This is how I'm feeling. Um I'm going to navigate through this now okay. and I'm going to be dead honest about it and I'm going to set my boundaries around it and I'd like your feedback on that. And when we have those kind of communications, we can understand ourselves completely, understand where we sit in a situation, understand everybody who's involved, all the different perspectives and perceptions of what's happening and then we can navigate that and come to a conclusion that we're all happy with. But we hold, we withhold so much, particularly as men, and we hold so much against other people because 
I guess like a sense of entitlement almost that men have grown up with like well like I, I need this or like I want to get this so I'm gonna do this but I'm not gonna talk about it I'm just gonna you head towards that goal or that attainment and I might be a little bit deceitful or you know and you know tell some lies along the way or maybe be a little bit um, not malicious but navigate my way to get that at all costs whereas I feel like we can let a lot of that go because it's ego driven it's um, you know maybe mm. slightly narcissistic when we think about ourselves in that way we can involve people in this process and we can be open and honest and include them and navigate it together and then we let go of that and then we can serve from a full cup and that that entitlement that men deserve or I deserve this you know who who dictates what we deserve and you know how, how do we come into communication and you know conscious relating around that like how do we understand exactly what I deserve and what is that measured against yeah what do you think the biggest one is that why we have that sense of entitlement I think it's just you know masculine culture evolving over the last 200 years and how men have been in seats of power but not in their power so there's like a misalignment there of men really feeling like we deserve something or that you know we have worked so long to, to yeah. gain these things but we're we don't more than. yeah we're more than we're just the same as everyone you mm. know we just need to be more open and truthful and honest and communicate our needs in a really clear way and set boundaries around things that compromise those needs and then work through it together yeah so everyone can get their needs met yeah it's, it's very it's, and that's it's, what's forced us into a bit of an isolation yeah because we're not honest <laughs> we're not honest and you know it, 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 it can be I often say we can be confronting without being confrontational you can confront things and challenge things compassionately so that we can all be better people yeah. than we were yesterday. Like it's it's healthy really, versions of all these things, right? <laughs> totally. And, we, you know, when the shadow sides come out, you know, it, what I was talking about, sacrificial service, which is where we're, the rabbit hole we're going down right now, it you know brings me back to the king. The king is there to serve his kingdom, not the other way around. The king raises those around him up and makes sure everyone's fed and watered and sorted he's the creator of order and purpose and fertility mm. that's what the king does he doesn't self-serve he doesn't serve himself he looks after everyone so it's almost redefining service mm -hmm. really because when i ask the question around that's got us in a lot of trouble is what i've witnessed and i've read into men don't know how to take care of themselves they mm -hmm. don't know how to give the service to themselves yeah so we are constantly giving Mm -hmm. There's a lot of nice guys out there that sacrifice parts of themselves to please appease others and it comes at a big cost to themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was what I was interested in. I mean, you have an amazing definition of it all and it's beautiful to, to hear that. And it's like when us as men just do, don't take care of ourselves and we're constantly giving. Because mm -hmm. I witnessed that a lot. Yeah, and that comes from a place of pity which, you know, leads us down a road of fear and resentment, mm. which ultimately, you know, can, can turn to hate, which is a very negative energy to be living in. Um, and that can be oftentimes self-directed. It can be directed back at ourselves. Like that's where a lot of low self-worth and self-hate and self-deprecation comes from because we're not feeding those parts of ourselves. So it starts with us and it ends with us, like the alchemist's journey. <laughs> like it starts with us and it ends with us, but we go around, you know, projecting and judging other people for all the things that we could just take care of ourselves mm. how much a part of this is that we 
don't have the vocabulary or the understanding of like our own internal landscape how to communicate what we're feeling mm. how much of that feeds into this conversation a lot yeah yeah a lot of men don't have the emotional literacy to to really understand what is happening under the surface mm-hmm. because men are we are like one track minded I was going to say yeah we're one track minded we like to solve a problem one at a time it's very rare that you find a well you give a guy something to work towards and he'll he'll go Mm -hmm. like it's it's like compartmentalizing it all to like right I'll put that there and then I'll go here Mm -hmm. and we can do that and we've got so good at that totally and then we do that and then we like oh that wasn't the thing (laughs) that wasn't the thing right start again reset where do I go now Whereas, you know, if it happens in community, it happens in, in community when we start to open and normalize this, this way of being as men and it, our earlier conversation around when we left the farm for the factory and we lost that connection as a group of men, it all comes back to this elderhood and this navigation of what it is to be a man. Because, you know, again, we've been separated, we've been emotionally isolated, we've been put in a state of competition rather than collaboration. So we're competing for money, sex, fame, pride, all these different things material gain, um, you, you, you name it. We, we're competing all the time as men. But when we come back in tr- into true collaboration where we fully see each other and we don't judge or resent or um, discriminate or criticize these parts of ourselves, when we call each other forwards, like I've got friends now who there is nothing they could do within our friendship bar a few things but that has boundaries too but there is nothing they can do that's going to stop me being a friend with them i am fully committed to being their friend and the way i friend is to support every part of them including all the shit parts where i need to call it forwards and say hey no like i know you and i know your mission and that's the first thing actually is like knowing who people are yeah like really diving deep and being able to know who people are and that takes a whole nother conversation to to find those things out but when you know that Mm. you can you know measure them against their own value system and be like hey no you're out of alignment right now i need to call you back in because this is who you are and this is what you've showed me and you've told me that this is your your mission your purpose your goal who you want to be and your behaviors are not matching that so i need to call that forwards like what is going on here why are you doing this and then we dive deep and i support them through that that's the way i friend so when we come back to that farm mentality where we have, you know, different ages, different experiences, different backgrounds, different ideas, different um, socioeconomic statuses, like coming together and holding each other through that process, like that's when we all grow. When I say in, in a lot of my events, we are the medicine for each other because where one man shows up lacking or feels like he's lacking, another man will show up in abundance with that exact same thing, like a little Lego block just click in and you know feed each other give ourselves or give each other our share our true wealth which is our wisdom our stories our perspective our understanding of things that's how we share that's how we grow each other that's how we help each other grow and when we model this you know sometimes cross-generationally when we have like you know grandfathers fathers brothers uncles sons all working together we get to see how we navigate all of these emotions which lead us to understand ourselves fully. So we see conflict resolution, we see emotional regulation, we see um, like all the emotions from joy, fear, sadness, guilt, shame, all of these things exhibited and worked through as a collective, 
that's how we kind of you know refine like sift through the the, the dirt of who we are and find all the diamonds mm-hmm. absolutely the question i want to ask is how are you thinking about initiating your kids into different <laughs> versions of themselves yeah because you I, think about that i need i do yeah yeah i'm, pl- I'm planning it now how's that gonna yeah feed into so the well, one of the main questions i'm asking myself right now so my daughter's six and you know i'm going to start developing processes and programs and it sounds quite formal but like <laughs> that's, th- th- things that's that, american things yeah things that i'm <laughs> going to work through with my children starting the age of 12 so yeah. i've got six years to develop a really robust system that we're going to follow as our family which is based on our family values so mm. we're going to develop a set of family values that we all understand and live by almost like a creed of our of our family like okay oh, this is ben greenfield yeah yeah similar similar <laughs> idea a lot of that you know came from it was inspired by the way that really? he operates with okay. his kids because it's really interesting when like less maybe intense sure. than american that's religious yeah so just a set of values that we maybe hold our family to that we want to live by then i'm going to essentially look at what what do I want my children to be able to do by the time they leave home which is you know 18 19 whenever by the time they leave home what skills abilities attributes characteristics um you know character you know character traits what do I want them to be able to embody by the time they leave and it's the same as my end of life vision like I'd start with the end and work my way back. Start with the end in mind. Okay, this is the life that I want to see at the end of my life. Okay, what do I need to do in order to get to that point? Mm-hmm. Same thing with my kids. This is what I'd like them to be able to do, to be fully self-sufficient, financially, you know, um, self-reliant, um, skilled, emotionally regulated, you know, sociable, creative, um, expressive, uh, book smart. All, all of these different things as like abilities but then who they actually are fully understanding who they are okay and how do we work our way back from that like can i do it on my own or do i need to bring in mentors as well do i need to develop a network of people around us as a family that can influence or support their growth it's like a business you don't grow a business by yourself you pull in people who have a certain skill set they can contribute to its overall success same thing with our kids like, I can't do it on my own because I'm only one person. I can try my best, but that's where our society falls down because we think, oh, nuclear family, I need to do it ourselves. We need to do it ourselves. Like, fuck everyone else. Keep them away. Like, this is us. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to teach our... Nobody else can tell our kids what to do. I disagree. Like, if you, you know, handpick your network, your soul family, like, get everyone together, then, of course, they can contribute their wisdom because you've chosen them based on what you respect about them, what you value about them. So why could they not distill that down into your kids being better people and that's what used to happen a very long time ago with families families were huge we used to have like 12 13 14 kids and you would all grow together in a community of other families similar sizes and you know you would all learn from each other like so and so would go over to that person's house and learn this there's a there's a book um called the island by aldous huxley where you know he, he tells the story it's fiction. He tells a story of this island that you know has a, a system of parenting that's so fascinating to me, whereby everyone is everyone's parent. So a child is born, and he has several different families within his community, 
And he can go to each of those families at different times as he chooses or he or she chooses to learn different things. And it can happen as a result of him falling out with his parents or having a disagreement with his parents. And he would go to the next family and learn being reflected or um, questioned by that new family to or the, the extension of his family why that altercation happened and where where the issues were and how he can navigate that and go back to his original parents and this way of like teaching all of our children through community like really fascinates me i find that really interesting how you know we've been driven into this kind of nuclear isolation you know since the industrial revolution where it was just about our family and screw everyone else we're going to succeed and we're all competing against each other rather than coming into community and collaboration and actually, oh yeah, I really value your knowledge and wisdom on that. Can you teach my kids that? Mm. Like, or actually like I, again, this comes back to self-worth and like realizing where our wisdom may end and another person's begins. Like, I don't have the skills for this. Can you teach them that? But it takes a lot of, you know, um, understanding of myself and, having wrestled with my ego and let that stuff go that I can realize, Oh, I don't know that. Can you teach that? Cause I don't know it. And it doesn't make me any less because I have so many skills and so many attributes that I find honorable and virtuous and, you know, really respectful in certain areas. But I see this in you as well. Can you, can you take over here? Well, you and might exchange that for something. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. But that's where we <laughs> traded. That's where we used to trade with skills yeah. and stories and songs. And it's, um, if it's that knowing what you can, add value for yeah is directly linked to feeling perhaps less than if you if you don't feel like you've got anything to bring you won't tend to ask people um, for their contribution because you feel like you're not going to be able to give anything in return and there's Uh something around that psychologically i think but if when you know your worth, you know your value, you know what mm-hmm. you are strong at, mm-hmm. you know your deep sense of yourself. And you bring that then fully. You, you say, well, this is what my gifts are. This is what I can bring. This is what I teach. This is how I parent. Mm-hmm. You do it in a different way. And let's let's like see if we can yeah, sharpen so when, when, each other's yeah, tools. When we, when we think that we are the yeah. be all and end all, we know it all, or you know, that's when we go down dark roads. But there's a guy, um, John Thompson, who runs Circling Europe, who uses the phrase surrendered leadership. So being in a position of leadership, being fully capable of being able to lead, but actually being so comfortable that you can surrender that leadership to others and navigate and follow and enjoy the growth of, of whatever's happening, whether you're facilitating something or, Mm. you know, raising kids or, you know, performing a task surrendering that leadership and just being so confident and comfortable in yourself that you can go okay let's see where this goes and if it starts going way off track then you can step back in and call it back but just being able to tap into the field read the room see what's happening and know that something beautiful will come from it because you don't know everything Mm. yeah it's always made sense to me to go in both directions like strong like that is strength to me mm-hmm. like go all the way into the the feminine sides of me but all, all the way into the masculine all the way into the student but all the way into the teacher yeah. and like really be able to stretch those sides of myself and not just be confined to like mastering one thing and being that at all times that's not true strength for me because, because we've been taught that that was that that's mm-hmm. value yeah. Like when you're masterful in something when people look to you and you can control the situation yeah. that that's that's value 
it's because it's rare there's a something around what's rare is valuable but it's just rare it doesn't yeah. mean that it's valuable <laughs> yeah i'm just going to interrupt this podcast because i have an announcement next weekend a couple of spots left on my men's weekend if you or anyone you know would like to benefit from this space that i'd be creating for the last year now it's a space where we can really get clear on our purpose and mission in life it's a space where we can speak our truth let it be heard witnessed we can develop accountability to those around us we can really write out set some real clear intentions for the future it's a real deep space where a lot of the inner work will happen in an immersed woodland in sussex this is going to be outrageously impactful for the guys and it doesn't stop with the weekend we continue to hold space online for each other integrate what we've learned and what we've understood about ourselves and because it's such an intimate space i know how beneficial it can be for people to come together and see each other and go through something deeply uncomfortable challenging but rewarding if this sounds like something you're interested in head to menofearth.co.uk links in the description back to the podcast so i feel like we've talked about some pillars of david anything that we're missing throughout this throughout this chat we talked about your unschooling you as a dad what it means to be a man really uh, i feel like you've articulated your yeah what's really important to you mm-hmm. i think you've got very clear on that is there anything that you know you need to spend more time working through working on what are those areas of yourself at the moment that you know that are preventing you getting to the next level oh what an amazing question (laughs) what part of you has to die (laughs) it's still kind of hanging on there i mean it's dying um and I would say sometimes being attached, being attached to an outcome, being attached to a certain situation or what someone said or my truth and, you know, how I feel about someone or something or something that's happened, like being attached to how I feel something should have gone or is going um it's something i'm still wrestling with a little bit like sometimes i i can find myself being quite critical at times because i hold myself to a really high standard and sometimes i hold that standard for for other people too which is which is not a good thing to do because everybody's on their own path, their own journey, they're at their own stage of development. I'm not at the, the peak of my development. I'm still working through a lot. I'm still doing, we never stop doing the work. We never stop growing. It's not a linear thing. Um, it's constantly changing and moving in different directions. And I, I did a post a while ago about um, new levels, new devils. Like no matter what stage you're at, no matter when you move through something, you're like, yes, that thing is gone. I don't feel that way anymore. Something else is presented some other challenges presented for you to work through so occasionally i find myself falling into the trap of holding that standard for other people when you know it's, it's not something i need to do i don't need to hold that standard for other people what i can do is you know call forward certain behaviors that i i feel are um 
that don't match, like I said earlier, the value system of that person that, you know, I've learned and they've told me and we've shared and we've, you know, opened up around, you know, what they want to achieve for them. But outside of that, like I, I, I shouldn't really be that bothered about anything else that happens. And that disconnection from the, the path that other people are taking, you know, if I've called or challenged what I just mentioned about their own value system and it being way out of alignment with their behaviours, and if they can't listen to that and if they can't uh, justify it or they just don't want my support, then that's fine. I need to let that go. I need to respect and honour where they are and what they're doing and how they, the choices they're making because essentially everything is a choice. And if I've tried to support them and they've pushed back, that's okay. I'm always here. Mm. I'm, like I, I say, I'm always here for all the men that I support, all the men in my spaces, all the men I coach, all the men in my life and women, but all the men in my life, I'm here 100% and I show up fully for everyone around me but only to a certain point yeah. because I can't, I can't force myself. It, we were speaking about Brené Brown in, in, in marriages and relationships, how, you know, she debunks the like 50, 50 marriages are 50, 50. And, you know, she says it's bullshit because, you know, what if someone's bringing 20? Like, do you just like sit back and go like, Oh, you're only bringing 20. Fuck's sake, I'm bringing my 50. Where's your 30? What you should be doing is bringing 80 for those people. So if it's your wife or your children or your partner, if they're bringing 20, then you show up with 80 for a, you know, a period of time where you like try and recuperate and bring them back into their full 50. And then inevitably at some point in your life, you will be a 20 or a 10. And then, you know, Brenny speaks about what if you're both like a 20 and a 10, you need to develop a, a, a system or something to, to fill the gap, to bring you both up to a hundred, whether you go and, you know, to a counselor or you go to, a retreat or you you know have a mediator or you work on something you know separately or together whatever it is that you bring collectively back to a hundred and I feel like that is what we need to do with with our friends with our loved ones you you, you show up for them fully but only to a certain point and then you know you, you call them back call them back into their fullness and if there's a lot of rejection and and pushing then just again knowing my own value system and knowing where I stand and knowing where my boundaries are and knowing how to fill my cup that's you know there there is a there is a boundary there there is a a, a limit um at some point but my attachment to that sometimes my you know over attachment to like ultimate service sometimes uh spirals back and it becomes a little bit negative so making sure that I'm very clear on how much I can give and how much people want to receive mm. is is something that you know i still work through sometimes mm. yeah it's a big one do you want that standard to be kept for you as well do you ask for the same totally all the time kind of process yeah all the time and it's it's really interesting because like so often you know the thing that kind of dysregulates me the most is when you know if i have an issue with something or someone or you know something i want to understand a little bit more like i go to that person immediately and you know, there's there's no reason why I can't ask a question as long as it's not aggressive or you know, you know, packed full of projections. But if I go openly and honestly and in my truth and ask, hey, you know, what's this all about? Or I heard about this. Or you know, can you tell me a little bit more? Or like, why why did you do that? That's interesting. I thought the agreement was this. Mm. 
you know, when I have these things internally that happen with me, like I go to that person to resolve them immediately because anything that was held, like withheld, like we spoke about earlier, you know, festers. It becomes, you know, you know, dangerous, dark. It, it stays in our body and we can it can grow into that hateful energy. But when that's not done back to me, like I have some issue with that sometimes. I'm like, ah, oh, if I hear somebody saying something about me, I'm like, why didn't you say that to me? Mm. That's really interesting. And I again, like my initial response is, okay, I'm going to go and ask them about that. Yeah. Like, okay, I heard that you said this about me. It was interesting that you didn't say it to me and you said it to someone else. Like, why is that? And not challenging in an aggressive way, but just calling forward. It's like, okay, we need to be more open and honest and authentic because when everything is laid out, what's clean, uh, what's seen gets cleaned, as Tony Robbins says, we, we can clean it all if we're just honest with each other. Yeah, I love that. So important. Yeah. That's how I choose to live my life now as best I can. Mm-hmm. Those projection packages <laughs> just try and stay away from them. Yeah. I think the more questions we ask, the better, like don't underestimate the power of a question. Yeah. With followed by another question and another question, and like that's not projecting. If you're just asking questions to mm. try and tease something out, or just to get to know, it's like really getting curious about why something has played out the way it has. And it's important to make sure those questions are asked in the correct way. That there is, you know, unless the situation calls for it, which yeah, is very rare. Why the fuck are you doing that? Yeah, it's there's like, no assumptions. Just little questions. <laughs> questions should be void of assumption. Because sure. that, that's the nature of a question. You're trying to find out something. Yeah. If you're if there's an assumption within the question, then that can be triggering for people, and you could be, you know, setting a prerequisite. Mm. And it, it's it's not it's not the way that we ask. It's not the way that we question people to find out the truth. For sure. So because you place such high standards on yourself, mm-hmm. and you are dedicated to your purpose, your mission, and being a better person, mm-hmm. you're going to shine when you progress. The more you shine, the more shadows you cast. Mm-hmm. So how does that feel living your life when your behaviors, your somewhat better behaviors, and you stepping into your power and demonstrating that around other people, it can trigger, it can rock the boat, sometimes in friendships. How do you navigate those things uh, in that, just taking that, the more shadows you cast? It, it, for me that means when we shine other people's other people not stepping into their power or whatever it might be not shining it's more obvious mm-hmm. and they feel that yeah just protecting my energy mm. um, and having the people around me who are in alignment with my values my purpose my passion my mission and not judging or having any negative feelings towards the people that don't but just honoring them for where they're at because so often I find now I've I've been like a pretty awful person in my life like I've 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 done things said things you know not voiced my truth in times I should I've you know people pleased I've gone into business ventures that were somebody else's mission and goal and got myself into a situation where I was like oh no I never wanted to be here and now I have to leave and it's really awkward and it's ruined this friendship I've gone into loads of situations like that where I wasn't fully honest with myself and I think now you know looking back I can even look back and think like oh wow of the people who knew me back then when they see me now like what must they be thinking yeah. 
was an initial thought that came in as I started really stepping into my power and feeling the way I feel and being honest and open and true and doing what I do. Like I really love what I do. Uh, and I do a lot, I do it with a lot of purpose and integrity. But I wasn't always this way. So it's taken me to let go of that former version of myself because really that's that's who we're wrestling with. We're not wrestling with these people who are telling the stories of a past version of me that they are comfortable with because that's what it's about like they were comfortable with this version of me that hadn't done any work you know was still lying and being manipulative or dishonest or you know silly and immature so they can tell these stories about this this version of me but that isn't me anymore that's like a different person so they're telling stories about somebody who's not me so I can separate myself from the person they're telling stories about and when I do that I cut the tether to the part of me that used to drag me back and hold me down and keep me back from achieving all the things I want to achieve and I can do that really compassionately to myself and to those people and I don't judge them or hold any record of wrong against them or me like it's just part of the journey that I've been on and part of the journey that they are on or were on and you know the second that I disconnect from that and just focus on my trajectory forwards where I'm wanting to go like my my path is clear I did a post recently like when the path is clear walk it don't put barriers in place that don't exist and some of those barriers can be the self-limiting beliefs or the attachment to previous versions of yourself that are sometimes told by other people mm -hmm. and when we disconnect from all of that then it becomes really clear and we become laser focused and hyper aware on when somebody who does not match our energy steps into our space. And it's happened a few times for me since I've really, you know, stepped into who I am now. When somebody comes in, I'm like, mm, no, no, like loads of love, but I'm, I'm going this way and you want to go that way. And that's totally fine, but you can go and I'm going to go this way. Awesome. And you, and you have that. Yeah, totally. Conversation. Totally. Yeah. Have the conversation. I just tell them, listen, you know, I can see what you're doing. Uh, and again, just full open transparency, like, oh, hey, I, I see, I see this is happening. And can you speak more to that? And, you know, if they can't or you know, if, if they do and, you know, it's, it's bang on the money, which the last couple of times it has been, I can just like compassionately disconnect and be like, thank you so much. You know, I hope you I wish you all the best. And that's what I only wish the best for other people. I just want everyone to, to go through life into their full purpose and be as happy as they can be. But unless they're willing to do the work, like I don't want them to come in and try and take something from me like I can give but when someone starts taking from me um, without without my permission mm. like I, I don't stand for that yeah the more I get to know the audience of of this podcast I know that a lot of people are stepping into better versions of themselves mm -hmm. and cutting away these ties and the hardest thing I believe for people is to know when to say uh, no more in a relationship mm -hmm. or to hang on in there and just, you know, be the best person they can be for them. How they can change others is a big one. Like how we can, when we see so much potential in our friends or our partners, we see it when you're so attached to like the version of them we know they can be. And we've seen glimpses of, but we want them to change. Mm -hmm. And that's such a hard position to be in not wanting them to change is going to allow the, uh, them the environment to change but just knowing when in that relationship to just yeah either cut ties or 
to keep pushing. It's like mm. such a great area of, of... It comes back to that 80-20. Like when they're at a 20 and you bring the 80 for... You, you can sometimes set the period of time. Hey, man, I'm going to support mm. you for the next six months and I really want to like develop this this friendship and this partnership that we're going to... You know, I really want to help you. Let's do it. And you set the boundary. Like, hey, I've got this yeah, much time. And if they just continually over the six months don't show up, don't work with you or for them, then eventually you, you have to make a call. You do have to make a call. It's good to set that time frame because you cannot keep giving. Because mm. when, you, when you're giving constantly, they're not going to be there for you when you need it within that time mm -hmm. frame. And it's interesting because like at the same time, you know, converse to that, the, the, the energy exchange has to go both ways. Like yeah. I, I talk about um, generous giving and gracious receptivity. Like there has to be, like both of your arms are extended and there's an energy vortex or exchange in the middle, but you both have to keep your arms extended for it to work. Energy travels and you have to keep your hand out for it, for it to work. But the second that they are starting to just like draw more and more and more and they're not giving any back, then you need to kind of set the boundaries and ask the questions of, okay, like, you know, I'm giving this much, you know, I, I can keep that going, but I need to see this as well. I need to see you doing this. I need to see you doing that. Because, you know, we, we set you know, so many expectations, but we don't voice them. So their internal expectations, like, I want this to happen. Unless you tell that person, hey, like, I'm really supportive of you. I want to help you and I want to raise you up and I want to you know, help you achieve this thing. And this is my expectation. And for that to happen, like, I need to see this from you. And if they hear that and then don't do it, that's them, you know, actively not working with you. And, you know, friendships and relationships take work. They, they, they don't just happen organically. I think that's, you know, a, a fallacy that we've fallen victim to as well. It's like relationships take a lot of work. You have to voice things you have to talk about things openly and honestly and set boundaries and set goals within relationships for them for them to function fully because otherwise there's no marker there's like people can just take 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 and there's nothing there's nothing impartial that's kind of holding them accountable mm -hmm. yeah man <laughs> you we've we've done into a lot here man yeah. <laughs> giving a lot to people some things to think about yes <laughs> good yeah, man what else do you want to speak to and uh what you got coming up? What you most? What's alive in you right now that you're excited about? Oh man, I'm really excited about the the next phase of this year. Um, my wife is at home a lot more. She's working from home now. She's still working, but it's nice to mm -hmm. have her around a lot more. And she's with the kids a lot more. It's beautiful. Like the the kind of balance of our family is now coming back into its fullness. It's lovely. Um, and it's allowing me a little bit more free time to really push forwards because I've grown mantra men's work over this last year whilst full-time dadding yeah. a six, a three, and a one-year-old. It's been challenging. You've really grown it, man. It's really been yeah. beautiful to see that. And, you know, there's there's a few things coming out this year that, you know, we've got uh, two retreats, two weekend retreats, one in Spain on the 20th of October, one just north of Glasgow on the 10th of November. We've also got two one-day men's council retreats um, which are on the 3rd of September in Glasgow and the 5th of November in Edinburgh. I'm also going to Egypt <laughs> at the end of the year to co-run a retreat and uh, yeah, building up for, as you know, the Chieftains Council um, coming next year, gathering all the leaders of this work together um, to, to support each other to 
to do better and be better. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that seems like that's needed right now. Totally. For some reason. It was always going to happen. and then It, it, it had just, to happen. Yeah. I just know that there was this, we can't, as leaders of this work, I feel like we need to walk the walk. You know, if, if we're supporting men through this work, through men's work, through men's work facilitation, if we're supporting men, we also need to be doing that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to serve from a full cup and we need to get clarity of vision and purpose through collaboration and challenge, compassionate challenge with other leaders. I think that's the only way we grow this community. Yeah. And there's something you said around how do we hold the standard? Mm. That's powerful. It's needed. And that there's no government regulation that I want oh, to totally. be in control of that. But it's also just learning. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring as well as learning. Yeah. Totally. The like, inspiration. If we, if we hold each other accountable and we support each other into the fullness, because that's what we're doing for other men. We are raising men up, up in the UK. Mm -hmm. It's happening worldwide, but we're focused on the UK. We're raising men up to be, to step into their fullness and we should do that as leaders if we're going to serve fully. So going back to sacrificial service, if we're going to serve fully, we need to raise each other up as leaders. And, you know, sometimes the tendency can be that it pockets off and we get a bit insular about our own activities. I know I, I have in the past with previous businesses and, you know, I really, I really feel very strongly and I'm fully committed and devoted to this work. And I want to get a group of leaders together because... Uh, you know if you're the best person in the room you're in the wrong room so i want strong leaders around me that i can bounce ideas off mm -hmm. forge bonds together yes absolutely yeah good man love thank it you. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much. <laughs> <laughs> we spent too much time together yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. thank you man thank you Thanks for listening, people. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Zero cost way to support. But if you do want to become a member of the community, then please head to the Patreon and subscribe there. You can support if you're getting value from this podcast. Little is £3 per month. Will you even notice that £3? I will. Definitely will. It will help grow the podcast and allow me to dedicate more time to this platform which I know has the potential and is connecting people with a deeper sense of themselves and the connection to the earth, which is really at the heart of this podcast. In addition, please subscribe wherever you're listening to, Apple, Spotify or Amazon Music and leave a five-star review. This helps the podcast tremendously. If you have any questions or comments, please go over to the YouTube channel and interact with me or David in the comments. Please check out our sponsors mentioned at the beginning, two brands who I just hands down feet down love for discount codes links in the description and there also is a link in the description where you can subscribe to my monthly newsletter shoot me your email and i'll include you in that thank you for listening appreciate you until next time